Oh, hey! Welcome back, everyone, to another great episode of Classic Elder Scrolls! Episode 56, The Dreadfather's Tumblr. Oh, my. You'll hear more about that later. This is Classic Elder Scrolls, brought to you by the Quest Gaming Network, available for download on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and, of course, our website, questgamingnetwork.com. Today's record date is mid-dus. The 15th of mid-year, and our show is sponsored in part by TweakedAudio.com. Get your quality headphones over there for 30% off using our code OFFTHERECORD. Great headphones at TweakedAudio.com. And also by Audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E, A-U-D-I-B-L-E, AudibleTrial.com slash Network is the link you're going to need in order to download a free audiobook, a free audiobook today over at Audible. A-U-D-I-B-L-E trial.com slash quest gaming network. And of course, by those amazing folks over at Amazon. Yes, Amazon. Whoa, what do you mean Amazon? Amazon.com. What are you talking about? The Amazon.com? Yes, the Amazon.com. Just simply go over to uh, questgamingnetwork.com. Click on our Amazon link down at the bottom of the site. And uh, you'll be helping us at no extra cost to you. Take care of Quest Gaming Network goes a long way to uh, helping us out here. Um, everything that you purchase on Amazon makes its way over to Quest Gaming Network uh, somehow, some way, by the, the little Amazon elves. They come on over and they're like, oh, we have something for you, Quest Gaming Network. Here's a little bag of coins just for you. Thank you. And they were like, oh, thanks. And do something about that hair. Uh, so Amazon, thank you so much for uh, helping us out this week. And you can help us out by shopping at Amazon and by clicking on our Amazon link. Down on QuestGamingNetwork.com does wonderful things, beautiful things, wonderful, honestly, wonderful things. Uh, <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Got to work on that, I think. Yeah, we need to write something up for that one. <laughs> I, I am your host. That one went off the rails. It was it was a glorious a train wreck. <laughs> it's not big for you, little bag of cards. Thanks, and you need to work on that here. <laughs> here, here, ha- ha- have a sock. Kidley's <laughs> <Get> free! <laughs> so I can just imagine like this guy using a scroll of Ikari in flight just plops at our feet with a bag of coins. <laughs> it's the new drone. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, I'm Avarin, your Tamrielic Traveler, host and uh, retard. Uh, <laughs> I'm also joined by the one, the only, uh, the man who unfortunately has to put up with me whenever I re- hit the record button. Mike, the Tamrielic Historian. Hello, everybody. Hopefully this is a little more on the rails than off the rails. Although, if you watch our account, you saw Varwin playing uh, the goat simulator today. So <laughs> anything could be possible. Goat simulator. Uh, <laughs> that was a good, good time. That was a good time. It was hilarious. I literally <laughs> had tears streaming down the side of my face. <laughs> I was laughing so hard. Yeah, that was... <laughs> when it runs up the side of the barn and you almost got onto the roof, and then it falls over backwards and the head doing it's the weird like bobblehead thing. Bobblehead, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I, I haven't had a chance to see it yet, but, you know, now now I just need... I, I'm half tempted to turn this off now and go watch. Go check that out. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's on the YouTube channel if you guys want to check that out. It's, it's funny stuff. Um... I'm <laughs> glad you enjoyed it. We'll probably be we'll probably do more episodes in, in that game. It was it was a good time. Um and of course, uh this other gentleman uh who unfortunately has to put up with me 
get, get round of applause, everyone, and standing ovation for the one, the only, the last of his kind, and the best looking of his kind, ladies. Mark the Sonarist. Learn terrible truths Hello. about himself lately. Oh man, no, it's it's good to be back. Uh, <laughs> wow, we we've had a busy uh, busy week this week so far. Yeah. Or, yeah. It's it's we've had a lot of sickness this week. Yeah. Oh well, <laughs> especially on Monday, got I had to get new glasses, and they finally came in, and I'm still getting used. I, I should have changed prescription a while ago. So the difference is, it feels like I have to. Look at it this way. When I step outside, I'm so I'm the depth perception is so different on these that it feels like I it physically feels like I shrink like two feet. Oh, you got like that fishbowl thing going on? Yeah. 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 So yeah. I need to go talk to them about this one because they uh, increase the yeah. cylinder correction in your. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, can you take these off and turn them to use to burn ants? <laughs> Just about. <laughs> Honestly, I got like Coke bottles. Wow. Like, oh, I'm I'm all, I'm probably a shade off of legally blind without my glasses. Maybe I, I'm I'm pretty bad. Well, uh, nothing wrong with with being uh, with, with, nothing wrong with being legally colorblind. <laughs> that's not what I said. It's not the same thing at all. It's not. <laughs> that, that's not how that works. <laughs> you put on glasses, now you can distinguish green and red. <laughs> They're actually working on something for that. It's kind of strange. Really? Yeah. Getting those little uh, cones and rods to march up into marching order? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of strange. But I guess, like, you know, for people who have been colorblind, like, they're working on a set of glasses and some type of stimulator that um, would allow them to see colors. They, they're first going to end up making the glasses from They Live by accident. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, boy, uh, from, from goats to glasses, we've got it all here on Classic. <laughs> and and a little we bit on Synthes, of course. Scrolls. We have an Elder Scrolls podcast, don't we? We sure do. We sure do. <laughs> Um, but uh, before we before we continue on to onto the insanity that shall ensue with Sithis ahead, uh, lest lest us not we be rude, and please put your paws together, wag your tails in in amazement, uh, for the one and only Chazeldar who will look into your future in the Two Moons horoscope. Yes, Chazeldar, if you please. Oh, thank you, thank you very much. Jezudai has taken a much-needed break and has spent some time roaming the deserts outside of Fentanyl. The sands of the north are much different from the sands of this one's homeland. Soon this one shall visit those sands again. But we are here to talk about the future. Jode marches to power as Joan sleeps. The Alfik have left their secrets and the mysterious Toje have come to use those secrets. Zenithar and Joan try and favors decision-making and common sense in social relationships. There is nothing wrong with escaping from reality, considering the difficult time you have survived this past year. You need to escape? Now, even you are still yet to have total closure over the aftermath of one extremely challenging episode. Thus, you turn to aspects of yourself or your life which are hidden and bring you joy. Use this time to escape reality. For many, the time spent engaged in recreational activities, often ridiculed as deviating from the norm, 
but the creativity generates leaves a lasting impact on those around you. This one suggests you make a decision and impact those around you. May warm sands be in your future. Ah, yes, Jezeldar. Oh, it's very good to, to hear you uh, come from the warm sands with your uh, reading of the tea leaves. Ah, ah thank you. <laughs> All right, Mark, what are, we, what are we doing today? Well, today we are going to be exploring Elder Scrolls for Oblivion as we continue, as you continue on the path through uh, the Dark Brotherhood, um, killing everything that moves. Uh, for We have a discussion topic coming up, but we also have uh, in the Sonarist Archives, Rising Through the Ranks, Playing Through the Dark Brotherhood, Now and Then. And on the History of, we have The Dread Father and Night Mother, A Wedding Made in the Void. We also have a fast question of the week and some email and an email. Uh, but first, a bit of quick news. Yesterday was the second BE3 or Bethesda at the E3 Expo. And the team from Bethesda did not fail to bring us some great stuff this, uh, to expect this year. Things like the Doom demo for, for free on Steam uh, this week from uh, June 13th to June, uh, to June 19th. Um, where you can play the first level for free. Uh, I, I actually did that, and it's good. Wow. is it? It's it's classic Doom with just nothing but improvements. It's great. Don't don't let a Varwin play it. I hear that he's insane. Uh, I wouldn't know anything about that, yo. <laughs> Here. <laughs> this is a return of the, of the 1990s demos of games, and let's hope we see more demos from the studio. Uh, they started the yeah. they started the show with a relaunch of the Quake franchise after eleven year and after eleven years we will be getting a new Quake game called Quake Champions. We got a sneak peek at Dishonored Two and a new title called Prey. Fallout Shelter will be getting some updates, including PC play, and Fallout Four is getting a new a slew of new DLC, including a contraptions workshop, aka Mousetrap, and more. Check out our sister <laughs> show, Fallout Off the Record, for all the details. But for you Elder Scrolls fans, they announced one Tamriel for ESO, a lifting of the faction restrictions for all non-PVP play. They announced ISO and Android support for T uh, Elder Scrolls Legends, and to much ovation, the Skyrim Special Edition, which is a complete overhaul of Skyrim, bringing it to the current uh, generation systems of Xbox One, PS4, and PC, allowing for better texture and graphics, and like El and like Fallout 4, access to the Bethesda mod support. Uh, today, it was tweeted by Bethesda Studios. If you own Skyrim and all of its add-ons, or own the Legendary Edition on Steam, you'll get a free upgrade to Skyrim Special Edition on October 28th. And it's actually kind of cool, like, really amazing stuff when they showed it. And on top of that, uh, like, they explained what they have for the graphical update is uh, the textures are higher resolution than the ones that are currently available in the HD um, pack that you can get on Steam. Anyway, additionally, Matt Fior, um, is that it? Fire. Fior, Fior, um announced to IGN this week that a character customizing Barbershop will be coming this August, as well as an Argonian Dungeon Pack will be released too. However, Elder Scrolls fans should know the big mic drop moment came through Todd Howard to, IG Todd Howard to IGN when Howard stated that they will be doing an Elder Scrolls 6 
though it won't come for a long time. Make sure to tune in to ESOTR next week as we cover all the Elder Scrolls updates from BE3 in depth. Got to admit, uh, <clears throat> some some pretty uh, pretty amazing information right there. Uh, yes, Elder Scrolls Six is coming out, uh, though it's going to take a long time. Uh, yes, the the one thing that we've been asking uh, quite a bit for in uh, in Elder Scrolls Online, having having things united as one, uh, being able to to roam around uh, with without regard of faction and and level, that's coming to the game. The um oh geez uh um the character custom customizator uh customizator customizator uh customization uh barbershop <laughs> all, all the best customization all customizing the, honestly <laughs> that's coming um so so some pretty amazing stuff uh we'll be talking about that on the next episode of elder scrolls off the record to record next week at wednesday um so so super excited um Man, we, jeez, it's uh, it's pretty epic stuff. Um, so Mike, so yes, of Arwen. Yes, uh, we've got a discussion topic, do we not, sir? Yes. All right, go ahead and build this up for us. Okay, so as you know, we are going to be talking about Sithis this week in the podcast. So the discussion topic in character: What would you do, edition? Here's the situation. You live somewhere in Tamriel and are comfortably asleep in your bed. You have a dream of Sithis. He rests a dagger on your chest and whispers, Go, my child, and turn the waters red. You awake to find an ancient dagger, sharp as a razor, with a hint of purple light emanating from its blade. What do you do? Dun, dun, dun. What would you do? What would you do, Mike? Well, I'd do exactly what he says. The rivers would run red. One would run red. So, so let's run let's... red, wet womb. Red room, red room over there. <laughs> let's get a little specific on this one. Um, let's let's say okay. You uh, do we want to do we want to okay? Tell me, do you live in in a particular Elder Scrolls game, and if so, where? Let's go with that. So let's start with Mike on this. Hmm. I have been playing a lot of Oblivion in terms of the classic games recently, so I'd probably say that I would be living somewhere in the Bruma to Chaden Hall quadrant of Cyrodiil. Okay. All right. So, so you're going to take the knife in Malice. Who would you take it up against? Take it up in Malice? <sighs> well, that's what it seemed like. Um, I mean, uh, that's that's what I mean. You said your your answer was. So... <laughs> See, it's very funny because, like, right now, since we have the Blade of Woe in the uh, Elder Scrolls Online, pretty much anybody who walks past me is in Malice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, after having run with Mark what two Fridays ago now, I think he runs the same exact card that I do. That it's literally like, if it moves, it dies. <laughs> I, I have a problem. <laughs> we're monsters. We're total monsters. <laughs> we're not total heroes. We're total monsters. Guys, they're monsters. 
Wait, this is what I've been doing to people? I belong in here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so pretty much everyone would be uh, getting hammered on this one, huh, Mike? But definitely the orcs of Chadenhall. There would be no orc left in Chadenhall, that's for sure. Okay. They all piss me off a lot. And so, they all look like Shrek, so... <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> so the, the orcs in Shadenhall would, would unfortunately be uh, getting the shiv. Oh, yeah, definitely. All right. Um, Mark, over to you. Ooh. Um, I would have to say... Um, being a good Imperial, I am likely in Anvil. And uh, my response upon getting uh, in probably, obl- probably Oblivion, and response about getting that is, um, one, check urine to make sure that's not the water it's talking about. Um, and uh, <laughs> then run... Yeah, that one fell flat. Um <laughs> Uh, and then I would likely run over to the Temple of Akatosh because I need some help. <laughs> okay, so you wait, would wait, just... wait, wait. You're running over to the Temple of Akatosh. How far are you? Oh, wait, you've already completed the the DLC, so yeah, that, that's kind of uh, an oxymoron that you just said there. Then, well, I said an oblivion. Oh, okay. Yeah, so basically, track down the nearest, uh, you know. You know, group of Akatosh and head there because I'm not uh, going on a murder spree from uh, for no ghost. You're a monster. <laughs> I know. Hey, this is the problem. I know that I, I'm pretty weak willed. It's like potato chips. You can't have just one. <laughs> Slay his <Yeah>. potato chips. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm going to end up heading down to, uh, you know, you just know I'm going to end up heading down to Oridon and I'm not leaving ever again. I hear something living. <laughs> <laughs> smells like high elf. <laughs> I think uh, I think I might be the worst assassin ever. <laughs> Just ever, ever. I think I might be the worst. Um, I would I would wake up in uh, in Skyrim, and I would uh, take I would take this this um, this dagger. And oh god, oh god, what's that guy's name? Um, <clears throat> the guy from the actually the annoying guy from the uh, Dark Brotherhood. Um, Cicero. Cicero. Listeners. I would. I, I, <laughs> like Dale. I was really hoping you were going to say that it was the guy that keeps asking if you've ever been to the Sky District or the <laughs> Cloud District. <laughs> <laughs> Nazim. Yeah. Nazim, right? No. Nazir. Um, no, Nazim is in the um, is in the Brotherhood. Uh, I can't remember what the guy's name is. Oh, right. In White in uh, White Run, that keeps as soon as you walk in White Run, he's there in front of your face, going, "Have you ever been to the Cloud District?" I didn't think so. <laughs> oh, I didn't think so. Uh, that's definitely a good answer, um, but i I can't th- I can't see any other any other answer other than Cicero. I just can't. I hate Cicero. That much, <laughs> so much, so flames, flames, <laughs> side of my face. My, my my hatred for Cicero is not unlike the hatred of humanity from mud crabs. 
<laughs> that, that's pretty undying. It's it is ever eternal. <laughs> it's really funny. I've got a picture um, that somebody made uh, a meme of. Said if I ever woke up in Skyrim, I'd go out of my way to uh, to get into good graces with these people. And it shows the person's character like stripped down to their underwear, carrying like a glass of drinks. And there's Astrid leaning over the table in her underwear. I don't know how they got that. Yeah. And so it's a whole thing on like, you know, ingratiating her this person's self to the Dark Brotherhood. So when you said, oh, when I wake up in Skyrim, I'm like, ooh, what's going, where's this going? <laughs> right. Mike, do, do you really have to ask where they got that? There's <laughs> mods for that. <laughs> All right, folks. Um, look, we've <laughs> we've got a lot of show to cover, and uh, we're we're eager to uh, to push on. Um, yeah, how'd you guys like that? I thought that was that was kind of fun. The what would you do edition? Yeah, no, I think that worked well. It was kind of fun. Um, okay, so so let's um, let's let's pivot over to Mark in uh, in the Sonarist archives. Mark, what can you tell us today about um, about Sithis and the Dark Brotherhood uh, and and whatnot throughout the series? Well, basically, um, uh, okay, so uh, when you actually look at uh, Sithis, he has uh, not really changed a whole lot as the series has gone on. Not, like, he, he really doesn't show up till later in the series. So there's, there's really not a lot I can add to that. And we've been talking a lot about the Dark Brotherhood and what the benefits are in joining them and everything else in, in previous episodes. For, so for this one, I figured... Um, Pardon me, sir. Have you heard the benefits of joining the Dark Brotherhood today? No? <laughs> <laughs> savvy, savvy. Um, so basically what I figured we would talk about is take a look at what we've spoken about with the Dark Brotherhood and compare it to how they implemented it into ESO. Because really, it is the entire point of... Uh, the Gold Coast DLC is to present the Dark Brotherhood as a full guild sort of the way it has been in previous Elder Scrolls games. So, first thing, of course, is joining. Uh, it's been the classic rule for joining the Dark Brotherhood that you have to kill an innocent. In Daggerfall, which was the first time you could join the Dark Brotherhood, you had to just kill at least three people on the street. And that was enough to get their attention. Um... Morrowind, uh, you didn't join the Dark Brotherhood. Instead, you had to track down the Morag Tong. Oblivion, you had to kill a random NPC, a random and named NPC, to get their attention, which led to a lot of accidental assassins. Because I swear to God, I hit one street where like seven or eight characters kept ending up on in the Dark Brotherhood because of trying to get through Kavach. They'd accidentally clip a guard, and that counted. Yeah, I've had that happen to me. So, then, when we head over to Skyrim... Sir Roland's joining a doofus. It, sorry? Sir Roland is a doofus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stop dying, you cowards! Get out of my way! Uh, it's an imp! <laughs> so, uh, then, then, of course, we get into Skyrim. And Skyrim is a bit different, because it decided that... In order to join, you have to kill one person. And that person is probably one of the biggest a-holes in all of Skyrim. Mm, Cicero. So, 
no, no, oh. the, the, oh. the terrible woman at the at the orphanage, the one oh. that no one would have a problem with killing. Oh, the no, one she's, who had she's... handcuffs in the bathroom. <laughs> Go through that orphanage one day and look. There's handcuffs all over the place in there. That's I had true. not noticed. That's terrible. <laughs> You're going to learn to be potty trained if you kills you. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, you know, uh, I can sympathize with these children, okay? They're not the only ones that were potty trained at gunpoint, so I get it. <laughs> yeah. that, and that was one of those things about about um, about in Skyrim is that uh, you you only had you could only join by killing this one specific person and but you know what? They made sure that you would not have a problem doing so. Uh, and but then they also gave sort of an escape route where in Oblivion, if you accidentally killed someone, you had no choice. It's like, oh, I've been invited to the Dark Brotherhood, huh? That was weird. And then go on as though nothing happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> you could just kind of like pretended like nothing ever happened, you know? Yeah, it's just like, huh? In my okay. RP, Sir Roland did not get in front of my sword for the fiftieth time in Kavach. <laughs> I'm just going to pretend that I wasn't visited by a shadowy figure in the night who gave me a, a cool knife and told me to kill. Yeah, exactly. Um, so basically from there, uh, you know, they at least gave you an escape hatch where you could go and um, uh, where, where you could go, uh, where you could basically instead decide to completely destroy the Dark Brotherhood instead of going into, you know, instead of joining. Uh and then we get to ESO, and I found it interesting because I, um, when you you start up, the easiest way to get the quest is to go into a thieves, uh, an outlaw's hideout, and someone will approach you, and basically, uh, you get the quest from them. They tell you that the Dark Brotherhood is is apparently looking for new people. If you go and kill an anv- uh, an innocent in Anvil, you will be able to join. And so that is the first thing you need to do. You need to go to Anvil, which you can do after you have the quest. And from there, you have to kill an innocent person. You, it's not you're not given a choose this person. Uh, you know, like you're not given a Grella of the kind to uh, to turn your rage on or anything. You you don't get to join the Dark Brotherhood and say, "But I'm a goodly assassin." This is a Dark Brotherhood that is very much an assassins guild that just kill for the sake of killing. It goes back to the the origins of it in Daggerfall of you are killing what is in you know what is clearly an innocent person. So you have to kill a single person off the street, and once you do that, you are uh, you are contacted and told uh, this is where you need to go to meet with your uh, to meet with someone you know to meet with your contact. After you've done that, it's you're given a mission to go. And sort of prove that you're able to handle a more complicated job. And this is something, of course, that we see in in pretty much we see that in Daggerfall. You're told that the reason you're given this secondary test is because we know you can kill. Now we want to see if you can do it with some subtlety. Um, We see something like in Oblivion. But we don't actually see it in Skyrim. Instead of testing your, your ability to do things subtly... Now they want instead in Skyrim, it's it's sort of backwards because killing Grelod is what requires subtlety. Killing uh, the the test once you're in the once you're in the hidden cabin, that's the one that's just can you kill? 
and you're given you're basically given a, a mind game to play of here's three different people figure out which one ha- figure out which one you're supposed to kill and the fact is that you never find out which one was the right answer which is why they also allow you to just kill all three if you want and let Sith is sorted out right, right well one thing though is like when you get your first real mission uh, the one that you have to go to Markarth for that's kind of like you know the subtlety because she gives you the poisons and tells you to take out this person and as a bonus would you be willing to take out this, the uh, hit the other the other woman oh yes uh, and I, I see and that's true but it, basically in the previous games you before you even got by that point you have been accepted you have been brought into the sanctuary and you were accepted you are part of the brotherhood um, whereas before in any other in any other game before you were even brought to one of their sanctuaries you first have to prove your ability to kill and then your ability to be subtle in your killing so th- th- that's sort of why it's well, that's why it almost feels a bit reversed with uh, the Skyrim version mm-hmm. because when you get that your first proper mission you've already become a dark brother uh, uh, a, you've already joined the brotherhood you're already in and um, fully accepted. Whereas the others, this was, you know, that subtlety mission was the first step. So, um, you know, it's it's interesting just because I see why they did it the way they did it in Skyrim. I, I can understand that, you know, they, I guess they sort of wanted to make joining the Dark Brotherhood something that could work for maybe a wider variety of character RP. Maybe. Um, but at the same time, they... Basically, I, I don't know. I, I'm not, not sure. It's almost as though they made becoming an assassin not as bad as as it would normally be presented. Like, I don't think any of the assassination targets you're presented with in Skyrim are what you could consider to be okay people. Like, all of them have done something bad in general mm. like whether or not they deserve death is is sort of something else but there you can see why they you know like you can see why someone might might want them dead um and that's just sort of one of those i don't know it, it's one of those things that um it it's it almost made it, I, I found it made the dark brotherhood feel less dark if that makes sense i mean yeah the, there was definitely the, a switch there um yeah in in how uh in what the game sort of intended for you to role play yourself as and um <clears throat> whereas you know i think that kind of thing is is good um also i mean you don't want to sacrifice um your your true intention uh your original first intention on on the you know, on the idea, on the lore. Yeah. So, but I mean, yeah, you could exactly. also, you could also say like, you know, uh, when we see it in Skyrim, you know, the dark brotherhood is failing and falling apart. And maybe there's, there's a clear reason for that. Oh yeah. Maybe no. And, and that's definitely, that's definitely part of it. I mean, they, they can't sort of, they don't, they no longer have the, the, uh, the eyes everywhere that automatically tells them when uh, a killer's on the loose and might be worth uh, approaching. Right, but it kind of makes me sad because when you finish everything in Skyrim, you know you don't get a named character in the Dark Brotherhood as like a follower. 
you get, you know, uh, an assassin that gets to follow you around, a non-named person. And I it's thought just you like, could get Cicero to follow you around afterwards. Well, not if you play a Varwin. No. <laughs> Everyone makes choices. <laughs> uh, some things are uh, <clears throat> some things are not a choice. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you know, so that would be nice as if that had a thing. And then when you do get more quests from the Night Mother, it's like the Lonely Suitor, or you know, the your targets no longer have names. They're just yes. a character that shows up with a very generic title to them. And so it's like once the the you're done with the the quest line, it's like. Oh, they, they kind of rushed the end there and didn't really flesh it out nicely because, you know, it'd be nice to have seen more Dark Brotherhood assassins with actual names that flitter in and out of the the the, the sanctuary and you see in the world yeah. kind of like the Fighters Guild. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when you look at the, the companions, you've got all those extra Fighters Guild members or companions that you really don't interact with at all, but you have the potential of taking them on as a follower and you'll see them out in the world battling giants or... You know, trolls or stuff like that. It definitely uh, the the um, I'm willing to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say that um, um, the Dark Brotherhood in Skyrim was the best quest chain. Oh yeah, I, I really think I really think that if you if you pull most, as a matter of fact, um, Mike, you're you're kind of doing the uh, the live tweeting today, right? Yeah. All right. Why don't we throw up a quick Twitter poll for like the next I don't know thirty minutes, and, and see how many how many votes we get on this. Let's ask our viewers because I think they're going to answer Dark Brotherhood. Um, if the Dark Brotherhood uh, was the best quest line in the entire game of Skyrim, and I think agnostic of of what people's real gameplay choices are going to be. I think more people are going to say that it was if for the simple fact that it offered so much freedom um, in how you could uh, go after your targets. The fact that you were given targets to specifically go after um, th- the fact that, you know, you could, you could do this, uh, you know, almost at your leisure, sort of figure out, you know, how you were going to do it, you know, stalk the target a little bit. I mean, you really could get into that question. Okay, so I put out a tweet that says, what do you think was the best quest line in Skyrim, Dark Brotherhood, Thieves Guild, Mages College, or Companions? Right, so... We'll see what we get here. Going from um, what we saw... Did that wolf jump to get you? He definitely did. <laughs> yeah, that was... That was that, that wolf is able to leap tall towers with a single bound. But white wolves can't jump. That's freaking super wolf down there <laughs> stalking me. Um, white wolves can't jump, Mark. Is that what you just said? <laughs> Holy Jesus! <laughs> well, oh man! Someone give Spike Lee a call. We've got an idea. Um, so I, I kind of think that people are going to say that, and uh, but the thing is, is you know, getting back to what you were trying to say, Mike. Even though that that was. I think the case um, that it was the best, the best quest line. Unfortunately, it ended. I think in the worst way possible. There was yeah. just no closure. There was no continuation. I mean, the the most fun part of that quest line was going around and finding targets and finding out how you wanted to get them. Um, and that was sort of something like you know 
if it were an MMO, that'd be a daily quest, man. Kill this yeah, guy. The thing that I really enjoyed is that one, that the lost stream that I did, that uh, you know I you know made up crazy ways of how to deal with your targets, like the miner that got it with the pickaxe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> See, <laughs> fun. Yeah, I mean, it's stuff that I really wish, like with ESO, um, that you could do is have non-traditional weapons. Yeah. You know. <laughs> It'd be like, oh, this is a broom? Okay, I'm going to beat you with the broom. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I know what you mean. And, you know, it is it is funny because, like, with, at least with ESO, they actually have included uh, a certain amount of, of the ability. Basically, they now have uh, a daily quest for the Dark Brotherhood, which, when you do it, you're given, here's your target, here is how to kill the person, here is, or here's how we, and, sorry, here's the person you need to kill. Here is the way we would like you to kill them, and here's another target we'd like you to kill, and we want you to also do it without getting seen more than five times. And the better you do, the better reward you'd have. So that's something that they've carried over from Oblivion and Skyrim, is that having that opportunity to do better gets you better rewards. Right. Um, and... One of the interesting things that uh, they also included a quest where you need to search all over. You're given some very vague clues. You need to search all over uh, the entirety of, of uh, Tamriel looking for these rare individuals who match the clue and apparently like and kill them. When you uh, stab them, they sort of disintegrate into into just bloody shadows. So no, it's that's a pretty... very cool like outcome when the the red shadow thing is on the pedestal, but it is a very difficult quest like overall quest because the hints are very vague. They tell you what city, and you literally have to go up non-player character to non-player character and look at them, and look them in the eye to see if they're the person that you're supposed to be find fighting. Yeah, and hope that they've spawned at that point. Yeah. So, but. I think that what I found to be the most um, interesting chain or interesting thing they did is that in Daggerfall, in order to do anything in like basically you had to spend your time and grind and grind and grind your your reputation and your proficiency um, in order to get up in the ranks in the Dark Brotherhood. Now, how and, exactly was that done in Daggerfall? Uh, it was done by you had to raise your skill. You had to raise you had to raise your different skills. You had to raise your uh, specific ability scores. And once you got to the right level with that, you had to have completed enough quests for the Dark Brotherhood that you increased your reputation, which was an invisible stat, to the appropriate point. At which point you would be able to go up a level, but then you couldn't go up another rank. Or you would go up a rank in the guild, but you couldn't go up another rank until one month had passed in game. So even if you now had enough reputation and enough skills and enough attribute to level twice, until that month has passed, you can't go up a rank. And it was an, it was an interesting way to do things. Um, it really meant if you want to be in charge of this guild, you were putting serious effort in. And we we've talked about how. Um, when they started introducing quest lines, they they basically they had something similar in um, in Morrowind. They still had sort of ranks required you to 
uh, have a, a certain amount, a certain skill level, and a certain um, attribute level, and do a certain number of, of quests. Have a certain number of quests complete before you could rank up again. But in Oblivion and Skyrim, they just got rid of that completely. Because uh, once we got to Oblivion and Skyrim, we had coherent through quest lines for the entirety of the... Um, uh, sorry, for the entirety of the uh, of each guild. And I thought it, they, they kept the idea that once you're in the guild, you can just do your, you know, the quest line continues for um, in ESO. Right. The, the, in theory with ESO, the idea was for the Fighters Guild and the Mages Guild, at least in the start, was you would do one adventure per, per level. Or one adventure per um, uh, per zone, which meant every ten levels you'd have one quest in that guild line, and then you would, you know, wait another ten levels before you continued it. Uh, then they changed it that the those guilds were those quest lines were no longer going to be leveled to your character. So basically, you could just do them each and complete off the the entire guild quest line pretty much right from the start if you wanted to. You just had to do some walking. But then, but for the Dark Brotherhood, or Thieves Guild, I believe they also had, it was a very straightforward as you can do this quest after this quest after this quest. Once you've started, you can just finish off the quests. Um, but the Dark Brotherhood, they, ch they made it a bit different in that when you are playing... Um, you need to, in order to continue in the Dark Brotherhood, you need to have a certain rank within the guild. So, if I complete, if I'm a rank three character and I complete the story mission, I can't get my next story mission until I get to rank four. And we've talked about something like that of bringing back the idea of of actually having the ranks mean something, as as in like you need to show your proficiency within the guild before for you to get to that higher level within it and that's the way this dark brotherhood quest line treats it in eso they don't give the really high the really important good jobs to the guy that just walked in off the street who walks around in plate mail and just hits something with a sword and can't backstab worth a damn right well that's want, that's <laughs> kind of <laughs> that's kind of intuitive and i'm glad they they went in that direction with it to be honest because um, <clears throat> you know, long long ago are the days of, of earning your, your reputation in a video game, and um, I see it start to slowly make its way back into development, yeah. and, you know, I was very happy to see that sort of come back in in the way that it did in Elder Scrolls Online for, for this, so I'm, I'm definitely glad to hear that. Oh, yeah, no, it's, it's one of those things that um, I, I was really, I, I was surprised to see, and it, it took me a little bit to get used to it. Um, just because, you know, I, I don't have a huge amount of time to, um, I was able to, to do it all, but it, it ended up being spaced over days because it would be, okay, I've done the quest and now I need to get 50 points worth of, um, guild experience to get to my next rank so I can get to the next quest. Right. So I, like it, I was able to do about one a day as a result. Um, but, and it was good. Like I, I felt that it's coming at a good enough clip. I'm not feeling that. Oh, I'm never. I'm not feeling like I'm 
severely grinding it to get up there and having right. It fun. was like rewarding enough for the engagement that you were you were uh, Ex- putting in. exactly. Okay. And honestly, having seen it work here. I would like to see them bring that back into the later games going forward. Absolutely. Because, you know, it, again, it's something we ourselves discussed, like, is this something we want to see come back? And I think that the way we've seen it done here shows, yes, it can very much come back and you can still have a good story. And if anything, it makes the story seem a bit more plausible, where it's not like, this one guy runs back and forth and can complete this major world-shaking event without ever having a nap. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and, you know, um, I'm glad you brought up in the future because um, I definitely want to start looking at some of these discussion points toward the end of the show after the history of through yeah. the lens of Elder Scrolls VI. Um, now, that, now that we know that, you know... Um, uh, Todd Howard had said, yes, we're going to make Elder Scrolls 6. Yes, we have some ideas on it. Uh, no, it's not coming for a very long time. Um, I really want to sort of uh, move this discussion um, a bit forward and and sort of say, you know, what what do we really want? Let's take this discussion a little bit more seriously than we have been because it's always been sort of tongue-in-cheek on Elder Scrolls Off the Record. Let's take this discussion seriously now, and let's tell Bethesda, now that um, we know uh, kind of what's going on uh, in the development of it, and it's really in concept, if that, um, what we really would like to see in Elder Scrolls Six. So I'd like to handle this um, in a little bit more depth uh, toward the end of the show with some of the talking points here. Sounds good to me. Okay, Mr. Mr. Howard, please stop killing off the hot chicks in the uh, in the Dark Brotherhood. <laughs> <laughs> save, save the cute booty. Save. The... <laughs> um. All right, we've got plenty of more, uh, plenty of show for you left, folks. Um, that was the Sonaris Archives. Uh, we're gonna jump right into the history of. With Mike. Okay, but first, we have to have the results of the of the poll now that the Sonaris is done. Oh, did it come in yet? Yeah, we've got poll results coming in. Mm-hmm. So right now, the Dark Brotherhood is leading 51%, the Thieves Guild, 28%, Mages College, 13%, and Companions, 8%. The, the Thieves Guild started falling behind when Liz ran out of alternate accounts to keep voting from. Ah, <laughs> oh, Liz. <laughs> By the way, I don't think we, we've said hello to our chat room, and I'm sorry for that. But uh, hello, chat room. Thank you for, for being here today. And of course, to our listeners and, and our viewers. Uh, if you have not subscribed to our YouTube channel, please do so. Uh, it really helps us out like a ridiculous amount. <laughs> like just sitting that subscribe button, I, I can't tell you um, the kinds of, of uh, it, it just really goes a long way to helping out. So uh, if you're not subscribed, please do so. It'd be wonderful. Um, How about that Twitter poll, huh? What do you think, Mike? I, you know, believe it. I mean, we've, we've had... Uh... Let's see here. We've had 45 votes in the 15 minutes that it was up. Are you serious? So, yeah. So pretty good uh, vote turnout. Yeah. Wow. 45 in the last 15 minutes. Yep. That's and aggressive. It's going to be up for the rest of, you know, the, the next 24 hours. So, yeah. you know, vote, vote, vote often. <laughs> All right. Um, I don't think that's how that. Never mind. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. 
The Twitter poll is rigged according to Liz, all caps, screaming and yelling at us. Uh-huh, uh-huh. She uh-huh. ran out of accounts to tweet from. Yeah, I guess so. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even voted either. I'd really love to, if, like, Twitter had, like, six places, because you only can put four things on. Because, yes, the Bards College is not on there, you know. There's a lot of things uh, that we would have we would have liked to have put on, but you know you can't. Yeah, definitely. All right. Um, not surprised. Not surprised to see it come out in in front, even in just the short time that it's it's been up there. And I think that's sort of the thing that we're sort of testing a little bit. Not that it's a scientific poll, you know. I mean, it's no uh, it's no you know um, political scientific Quinnipiac and is not but... big enough at forty five people. <laughs> yeah, no, not not even the least bit. <laughs> but I mean, it does kind of like gauge a little bit of what we've been feeling here. Is that you know initially this is what people sort of go after. Um. All right. Anyway, um, let's move on uh, to the history of. We've got uh, some Sithis to to be hearing about, huh? Yes. So a lot of people, uh, you know, hear the name Sithis. So first time is the five tenants of the Dark Brotherhood. Tenant one: never dishonor the Night Mother. To do so is to invoke the wrath of Sithis. Tenant two: never betray the Dark Brotherhood or its secrets. To do so is to invoke the wrath of Sithis. Tenet 3. Never disobey or refuse to carry out an order from a Dark Brotherhood superior. To do so is to invoke the wrath of Sithis. Tenet 4. Never steal the possessions of a Dark Brother or Dark Sister. To do so is to invoke the wrath of Sithis. And Tenet 5. Never kill a Dark Brother or Dark Sister. Guess what? To do so is to invoke the wrath of Sithis. Yes. So, who or what is Sithis? Uh, So... We have seen before, Shiagorath is described as a Sithis-shaped hole in the world, likely referring to Shiagorath's chaotic nature. But what does this mean? Sithis is neither an Aedra or a Daedra. Sithis is birth, is the birth soul incarnate of Padme, and equal yet opposite to the Force Ari- Ariel, who is the birth soul incarnate of Padme's opposite Force Anu. So... Ariel and Sithis, the yin and yang. Uh, he is revered by the Argonians on par with the Hist, and is the prime deity in both the Dark Brotherhood and the Morag Tongue. But what does that mean? I mean, especially people that are coming to the game at ESO, they're going to see a lot about Sithis. And even before that point in time, there's not a ton that we really get to talk about. He's not like the Daedra where you get to see Shiagorath and interact with him or Molag Ball. Uh, he's not uh, the incarnate of uh, Akatash, oh, excuse me, of Akatosh, like we see at the end of Oblivion. So what is Sithis? So, from the book, Sithis. Sithis is the start of the house. Before him was nothing. But the foolish Altmer have names for and revere this nothing. That is because they are lazy slaves. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed, from the sermons, stasis asks merely for itself, which is nothing. Sithis sundered the nothing and mutated the parts, fashioning from them a myriad of possibilities. These ideas ebbed and flowed and faded away, and this is how it should have been. One idea, however, became jealous and did not want to die. Like the stasis, he wanted to last. This was the demon Ariel, who made friends, and they called themselves the Aedra, 
They enslaved everything that Sithis had made and created realms of everlasting imperfection. Thus are the Adra the false gods. That is illusion. So Sithis begot Lorcan and sent him to destroy the universe. Lorcan, unstable mutant. Lorcan found the Adric weakness. While each rebel was, by their nature, immeasurable, they were, through jealousy and vanity, also separate from each other. They were also unwilling to go back to the nothing of before. So while they ruled their false dominions, Lorcan filled the void with a myriad of new ideas. These ideas were legion. Soon it seemed that Lorcan had a dominion of his own, with slaves and everlasting imperfections. And he seemed, for all the world, like an Adra. Thus did he present himself as such to the demon Ariel and the eight givers as a friend. So that is from the book Sithis. Wow. Now, <clears throat> you know, uh, whenever I hear a little bit about, um, you know, the, the Adra, the Daedra, um, Anu and Padme, you know, I'm always like so confused, but yet intrigued at the same time. It's kind of crazy how in-depth like this information is. And yet how you, uh, and, and rightfully so, it's not handled in any obvious and overt way in the games. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it has to be because how would any mortal know a deity? Correct. Especially, you know, when you look at these games where the Aedra and the Daedra actually can interact with people, how would it, they know a deity that doesn't interact with them, yeah. such as Anu or Sithis? Mm-hmm. And and here's the thing, like no spoilers, but the Dark Brotherhood does show, like the quest line does show, Sithis is a very real force. You know, this yeah. this isn't just sort of some sort of mass delusion of of nihilism. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because you know the Argonians pantheon lists him as one of the prime deities. I mean, you know, you figure that the Hiss. They actually talk to the Hist, and you know they believe that it develops who they are to put Sithis on par with the Hist. I mean, that's saying something right there. Yeah. So interestingly, this is the, the strangest book that I found because I don't know if you guys have ever read these, the Thirty Six Lessons of Vivek. Have you ever read any of these? Yes. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> they'll, they'll make your brain hurt. Yeah. The yeah. To say the least. <laughs> so, the 36 Lessons of Avec, Sermon 21, the scripture of the wheel first. The spokes are the eight components of chaos, as yet solidified by the law of time, static change. If you will, something the lizard god refers to as the striking. This is the reptile wheel, coiled potential, ever permeable, to the never action. Second, they are the lint bones of the Adra, the eight gift limbs to Sithisit. The wet earth of the new star are home. Outside of them is the Anubis. And not within. Like most things inexplicable, it is a circle. Circles are confused serpents, striking and striking, and never given leave to bite. The Adra would have you believe different. But they were givers before liars. Lies have turned them into biters. Their teeth are the prost Prostalizers. To convert is to place oneself in the mouth of the falsehood. Even the propiolate 
is to be swallowed. Kind of funny how when you hear that and you think about the logo for Elder Scrolls Online. Yes, they mm-hmm. each eating their tail. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, if you think about the Red Guards and they talk about uh, um, the, the World Serpent and how its hunger grows to the point that it eats itself and thus it starts anew. Yes. Uh, you have that. And you think, you know, these are coming, these are lessons from Vivek, you know, a uh, mortal made godlike who interacts with the Adra and the Daedra on a regular basis. Uh, so, you know, even he acknowledges uh, Sithis. So, from the book The Monomyth All Tamrielic religions begin the same. Man or Mur, things begin with the dualisms, dualisms of Anu and his other. The twin forces go by many names. Anu Padme, Anel Sithis, Akal Satakal, is, is not. Anuel is the everlasting and fallible light. Sithis is the corrupting, inexpressible action. In the middle is the grey, Nirn, or in Elnifex. In most cultures, Anuel is honored for his part of the interplay, which creates the world. But Sithis is held in highest esteem because he is the one that causes the reaction. Sithis is thus the original creator, an entity who intrinsically causes change without design. Even the Hist acknowledge his being. Anuel is also perceived of as Order, capital O, opposed to the Sithis Chaos. Perhaps it is easier for mortals to envision change than perfect stasis, for often Anuel is relegated to the mythic background of Sithis's fancies. In Yakutan folktales, which are among the most vivid of the world, Satak is often referred to as a handful of times as the Whom. He is a force so prevalent as to be not really there at all. So, you, you know, they keep talking about this, that one is stasis, one is the, the being itself. So you'd be like the world without the world actually doing anything. And, you know, Sithis being the action that drives everything. Hmm. Okay. So huh. now we're going to get even stranger. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say, like, it's getting cut. Now it's getting strange. <laughs> now it's getting real strange. That's getting Ready, real. Mark, your head's going to explode. Oh, it's, I, I can already feel it throbbing. Go ahead. Okay, so this is called The Source of Chaos. The author is Michael Kirkbride. Oh, okay. This Here we is go. the guy who was involved in most of the original <laughs> stories that became The Elder Scrolls and Coda. The crazy space odyssey where the uh, Dunmer now live on Masser, and uh, the, and the queen of the Altmer in uh, ESO is actually a Dwemer construct from like the fifty eighth cent fifty uh, eighth era or something like that. No, I'm so, serious. It's what? It's, yeah, it's yeah. Odd, strange, but you know, I found this one from him. So what, what is of chaos. not to Michael not to Kirk. interrupt, but I got I got to interrupt just for a sec. What the what is CODA? Like, is that is that an acronym for, for something? No, that's the title of it. It's C-O-D-A, it's, CODA? Yeah. Okay, and th- this came from Michael Kirkbride, and this was his um, yeah. Elder Scrolls it, lore. Yeah, this is sort of his, what what he's been sort of adding to Elder Scrolls lore, uh, since he, he, he hasn't been actually working on the lore officially since, I believe, uh, he, left during, he left during Morrowind's creation. 
So, but he, whenever they put out a game, he, he comes up with some stuff to sort of tie it together with what he was working on beforehand, which, which basically like when, frankly, it muddies a lot of the lore water. Um, when all of a sudden he comes in and sort of decides that, well, the reason that there's a difference between, um, Cyrodiil being mentioned in, in a single book in Morrow, you know, in Morrowind as being a jungle and then it's, it's not in oblivion as opposed to just it's sort of taken as okay well it, it was something that's just been retconned he comes up with this massive uh description of how um talos changed it Chin but works. then of course which and i get why people think oh well that's that's cool we like that but the problem is then that opened just a crap ton of more issues like for example how come no one felt that they should actually record that talo you know that their god emperor has completely terraformed an entire province. No one, you know, they reported how how long it rained after his death. The fact that he made, you know, he turned uh, dense jungle into livable forest. Eh, we don't really need. To, that's not the important part. Right. That <clears throat> got overlooked, and I'm surprised that Kirkbride didn't doesn't handle that kind of thing. Well, this is sort of the prop. I, f I find a lot of Kirkbride stuff is trying to deal with things that are frankly beyond what any of the Elder Scrolls actually deals with. It it's sort of like if you're trying to, it's basically like you're you're trying to read Spider-Man, but everything that the guy that um, like it keeps cutting away constantly to Galactus playing chess with the Beyonder, and this is supposed to be affecting what's going on with Spider-Man. Hell? <laughs> yeah. Madam that, Web's involved. Yeah, it's basically like just for whatever re you know, it, it's just what he talks about is so far removed from anything the games ever deal with or the plot lines ever deal with that I honestly just find it it frustrating. So, where can you find this coda? I mean, is there like a website for this, and you can go and read it? Is it coming a book? It's a paperback. I mean, do they sell it along with Dianetics? I mean, what the hell is this thing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have seen it on the internet. Uh, it's a graphic novel, but also um, somebody um, was it Elder Scrolls uh, Lore yeah, podcast it is. had two episodes where they read the the first um, couple of. Um, Chapters. It is, yeah, it is. Uh, the uh, web page is C0, uh, as in the number, C0DA.ES. Your brain will explode. Great. <laughs> it, it, his, he, he's written things with like Talos bring, like Tiber Septim bringing um, uh, oh, the main character, Cyrus from Red Guard, up to the Imperial base on the moon it, it like the imperial moon base it's uh. oh god <laughs> what like, the hell you know he he makes it he tries to make it as sort of very mystical and everything but when you actually look at what is being described it comes down to it uh, I, I i get why people enjoy his stuff it's just for me personally it's just it has nothing to do with anything. I mean, it's, what is it like? Some like try-hard fan fiction? That's what look, it sounds look at this like. Way. Look at it this way: um, if you if you read the sermons that Mike was just reading earlier, and what he read was probably one of the more coherent ones, that's pretty much what Kirkbride writes, or at oh, least that's okay. what I've seen from what he generally writes. It's it is very, Esoteric. very yeah, very. 
this guy's trying to be uh, well, the Tamrielic like, Daily Zen. To, to give him his due, he wrote a lot of really good stuff that helped establish the lore. But the lore has been evolving with uh, has been evolving without him since well halfway in Morrowind's development. So stuff he was doing wasn't necessarily brought in. And also to be fair, stuff he does right does get brought into the game at points. For example, when um, oh uh, the guy in White Run who's always ranting about ta- Talos. Yeah, um, uh, I'm yeah. scared. Yes, that. Thank you. When he is yelling about how you know, uh, for my long breath is we endure, and I'll, I'll like you know, my, uh, ta- you know, the whole thing about Talos. For I love you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A part of that is actually from his quote where Talos says, "I'm going to tear." Basically, I am terraforming the land. But the thing is, they excise the portion, like, and people point to that as this is why this is proof that what he wrote there is is part of it. And Talos did, you know, uh, terraform Cyrodiil. But the 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 quote they took, they removed the part where he actually says, "I'm going to change the jungle," and as a result, the rest of it can just be read as, "I have, you know, together we have changed the face of the world, and we have brought peace to the land." And my, you know. Now that we've done it with the sword, my I'm going to ensure peace with the vo- with my voice by with diplomacy. Oh, okay. Like it's, it, so they use some of his stuff because some of it is good, but the vast majority that I've seen, it just becomes dense, dense babble. <laughs> like, like oh, it, 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 it's it's characters that are never given context. It's concepts that are woven within concepts that are woven within concepts it, it honestly is just def- seems to be defined by being impenetrable god all right well that that was a that was a fun little uh side <laughs> combo but yeah <laughs> let's again, head um... again, like the, the the man has added a lot to the creation of the elder scrolls and full respect for that i just can't stand his writing <laughs> <laughs> But Mike, let's let, let's stop bashing. Yeah, let's let's stop bashing on okay. man. But and we'll just so, get sources of chaos by Michael Kirkbride. This particular patch, passage was found by Nolef, dear Karma, among the papers of Tharn, Tharnatos. Mostly talks about the Dark Brotherhood and Morag Tong. Appropriately, Padme is just as ineffable an entity as Anu. This is how the Sigic Order treats him. At least his original Altmaris Alnefek's name is PSJJJJ, which is and was meant to be unpronounceable. The order was founded and the organization to divine Padme's eternal and ever-changing mystery. Sithis is a corruption of PS of Sijai, which in turn was a derivation of the high concept of PSJJJJ. Sithis was born with a Nilus sect of already doom-ridden Chimeri merged under Mephala's tutelage, Daedric elements from the inexpressible action that was Padme. In essence, they became began to revere Padme's chaos nature as opposed to that of Anu, who is Order, and over the years degenerated into thuggish mystery cults which wanted to murder the world. The Dark Brotherhood was born in these times, which, in Morrowind, is known as the Morag Tong. Some of the higher-level Morag Tong maintain that they predate the Dark Brotherhood. 
More evidence on this later. In fact, they are an organization devoted to playing out the eternal interplay of Nier. Assassination, they say, is the purest celebration of joy or living. Whatever the case, the Padme of Morrowind, the isolated Dark Brotherhood sex, is not the Padme of Arteum. And you know what? That is probably one of his more coherent things. But you can you can see the, the weird stuff that comes in, like the discussion of Sithis is a corruption of Sijai, which is a diveration of high concept Pizij. Uh, and yeah, that's, that's frankly the more of the stuff that he seems to have gotten into later. But yeah, <laughs> so... No, no, seriously, I can go on. For, I can go on with this, so we should move on. Now, we're going to come to something in a little while here. Um, but first, I want to bring in uh, the Night Mother's Truth, because when you talk about Sithis, it goes pretty much hand in hand that you have to talk about the Night Mother. Right. Uh, so the Night Mother's Truth. However, it was not Mafala who facilitated the transformation from woman to specter, but another, some would say, far deeper form of evil. Sithis, the Dread Lord, embodiment of the unending void. Following the potent, potentate's assassination in Second Era 324, strife descended upon the Morag Tongue, and the guild was all but eradicated in Cyrodiil and much of the Empire. It was shortly after these events that the Dunmer woman claimed to hear the voice of Sithis herself. The Dread Lord, she claimed, was displeased. He was unhappy with the Morag Tongue's lack of success. The Void, he told her, was hungry for souls. It was her destiny to set things right. And so, according to Dark Brotherhood legend, Sithis visited the Night Mother in her bed chamber and beget her five children. Damn. Two years passed before the unthinkable happened. Productive the dark, night. The Dark Elf woman followed through with the Dread Lord's ultimate plan. One night, she murdered her children and sent their souls straight to the void, straight to their father. When they learned of this affront to decency, the people of the village rallied against the woman. For such an act was considered incomprehensible, even for a night mother of the Morag Tongue. In one night of vengeance, they descended upon the woman, killing her and burning down the house in which the atrocity took place. And that is the end of the story, or so everyone thought. A little more than 30 years later, an unnamed man heard a strange, comforting voice inside his head, just as the Dunmer woman claimed to hear the voice of Sithis inside hers. The voice identified herself as the Night Mother and named the man Listener, oh. the first of many. And so the unholy matron set her servant on his path. He would found a new organization, a guild of assassins known as the Dark Brotherhood, in service not to Mafala, but to the Dreadlord Sithis. The Morag Tong, now surviving only in Morrowind, was an artifact of a forgotten age. The Dark Brotherhood would marry business with death. The organization would grow in wealth and power, and the void would swell with fresh souls. It was, the Night Mother told her listener, the perfect arrangement. In the early days, the Dark Brotherhood, the bodies of the Night Mother and her children, were recovered from their original burial site and interred in a crypt beneath the site of her house. And there they remain, even today. Oh, dum dum dum. I, I hate to say it, now I'm picturing... Because you know what had to have happened the first time the... Uh, the night mother turned to the listener and said, "Okay, my body's drying out. Get the oils." <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Ooh, what? When? Where? But mother, why? Oh, 
I don't like oiling your body. It's creepy. Do it, Cicero. Oh, all right. <laughs> Slower. Lower, Cicero. Oh, God, why me? Okay, last one. Something <laughs> to ponder. Beyond the creepiness of Cicero. <laughs> Is the... there anything beyond the creepiness of Cicero? Yeah, that might have um, been. I don't know. We haven't been to an orc camp recently. Might hit that wall. The annotated Anuid. The first were brothers, Anuid, Anu and Padme. They came into the void and time began. As Anu and Padme wandered the void, the interplay of light and darkness created Nur. Both Anu and Padme were amazed and delighted with her presence, but she loved Anu, and Padme retreated from them in bitterness. Nur became pregnant, but before she gave birth, Padme returned, professing his love for Nur. She told him that she loved only Anu, and Padme beat her in a rage. Anu returned, fought Padme, and cast him outside of time. Nir gave birth to creation, but died from her injuries soon after. Anu, grieving, hid himself in the sun and slept. So, thus being stuck outside of time and into the void, would the culling of targets by the Dark Brotherhood, with the concept of sending their souls to the void, be a way for Sithis to try and repopulate the void with a twisted version of Nir's creation, and the Night Mother to serve as a perverted representation of Nir herself? Mm. So... Mm. This guy's like the uh, Ike Turner of the Elder Scrolls Pantheon. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's kind of it it kind of puts me in the mind of the Greek gods. I mean, it, with the exception that um, killing your fan, killing your children would be something they you know they would curse you for eternity for. But the idea of the the god visiting visiting her, I don't know. There's just something about that whole thing that reminds me of that type of of story but yeah I, I can see how there would be that connection of sort of of her basically helping to create this new world with him yeah all right um <clears throat> now mike uh i know after the the annotated anwad um anuid um there might have been something else you wanted to kind of throw in there before we moved on to so uh, that was it right there, the question of, you know, is the Void an actual twisted version of Nur's creation? And, right. uh, you know, is the Night Mother trying to, serving as a representation of Nur herself? So, I mean, I Is know. there, um, Mark, um, is there anything that sort of backs that up in, in, um, in the games that you can think of or in the, in the books that you can think of? That would support what uh, Mike is is uh, saying here. I or proposing. I think that basically what Mike's saying, he he's already supported pretty well with the books he's presented, and this is one of the things about like from all the books. I think Mike really did pull together all the supporting documentation there, or at least the the pertinent stuff. Um, and the thing is that, and this is sort of why I sort of dislike a lot of the more metaphysical stuff is the games don't deal with things on that level generally they they keep the 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 nature and the plans of the daedra and the adra very very hush hush and we 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 know more about the daedra and their wants and desires than we know about the adra right and then when we get into the the prime moving the prime moving forces like sithis and, and you know something like Sithis, which is supposedly even further beyond the Daedra, we, there is nothing in the games that 
really approaches that. They there is a little bit they've started to add in the Dark Brotherhood line, but even that what I don't want to get into spoiler territory, but even that doesn't sort of go into what Sithis would want or what Sithis desires or why he does what he does. It's more that yes, here is proof that there very much is a Sithis and he very much is you know, he, he does exist and involves himself in things, um, though very subtly. So, you know, the, like, so Mike's done a great job of supporting himself. It's just, again, this is sort of, <laughs> to bring it back to my issues with Kirkbride, it's like the game series doesn't deal with this. It's sort of like whether or not it's uh, it's real or not, that's for you to decide. But otherwise, it's the game. The game would rather sort of leave this mystery in the world than actually describe everything. Okay. Um. <clears throat> Maybe that's where the Dwemer went. They went to live with Sithis. They they went to go live with Michael Kirkbride. <laughs> um, honestly, that's not a terrible uh, terrible suggestion. Like for what happened to it. Sithis might have gotten involved for all we know. Especially when you think about back to one of the early books that I read about, you know, Sithis creating Lorcan and the, you know, striking of the heart of Lorcan in, uh, during the end of that war. Yeah. They could have all sent themselves to the void. <laughs> Wait, you're trying to create something with that? Oh, no, no, come here, come here. We're going to have a yeah. talk. Hold on. No, that ain't happening. <laughs> And by talk, I mean I'm eating you all. No, 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 no. I hate it when Dad punishes us harshly. <laughs> Give me that. Give me Not that arm. <laughs> Not my souls. I need that to exist in the hereafter. <laughs> nope. No hereafter for you, kid. What does Sithis want? What does Sithis need? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I'm getting chased. So, um... Okay. You know, I sort of uh, we, we've got we've got a fast question of the week that that we I, we're going to throw in there in just a second, but um, I want to kind of you know bring in that discussion topic that um, I was sort of hoping we'd have a chance to get to today, and that is um, in regards to Elder Scrolls Six and the Dark Brotherhood. Um, let's just say Bethesda's listening. What sort of things do we want and not want? Um, in what do we think as players? What worked and what didn't work? And I, I think that Bethesda is going to be looking at how the Dark Brotherhood is is being handled, how it was handled in Skyrim, what what people liked and disliked from it. Um, I sort of want to just kind of throw in there, like one of the things that I did not like about it was when it ended there was no way for me to feel like an assassin anymore. If there could be a way in Elder Scrolls 6 where they continued the assassin uh, gameplay and I got rewarded from, from that, I think that would really be great. Yeah. Most definitely. How, now, how, what, would that, um, what would that mean for you guys? Continuing the gameplay and being rewarded. Um, what would that mean for you guys? Well, I think it would be more along the lines of what they did with the Thieves Guild, that there's two separate quests in the system. So when you look at the Thieves Guild, there is the, um, you know, the uh, removal of Mercer Frey quest line, the stealing of the, the, the key, 
And then there's the returning to prominence quest line where you become the guild master. And there are two separate quest lines. One of them, you have to do a lot of the grindy type of quests to raise your prominence and stuff of that nature. And that would be, you know, the continuation to go out to the different cities and perform assassinations, you know, whether it be, you know, that they've spoken to the Night Mother or it's a contract um, with uh, the, the guild itself. And uh, the second one would, you know, the second one would be the more epic quest line, whatever the case might be, uh, whatever they're going to do, I don't know, to, you know, in the case of Skyrim, it would be, you know, the the killing of the Emperor in uh, Oblivion, it's uh, the point where you become um, um, the silencer uh, in the quest line. Uh, both of those are the epic endpoints of their main quest line. So I think that it would have to be something like that, that you'd have two separate potential quests. Uh, one that is a very epic type of thing, and the other that is a more mundane um, activity that you have to go out and perform the active duties, but then at the end it's a huge reward that you get in the end. Yeah, like, a, like, like maybe <clears throat> you become one of the the not the listener, but maybe one of the the speakers, or a silencer, or you know something else. Yeah, kind of like a day to day operation sort of you know daily quest sort of thing. Yeah. Um, if they had the ability to do that in the next Elder Scrolls game, you know, no matter. No matter what it was, uh, you know, hey, today's, you know, Morn Dust, go kill so-and-so. Thanks for, you know, playing the game today kind of a thing. Almost like an MMO <laughs> feel to it. Like I, And I'm not saying that I want daily quests in Elder Scrolls Six. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that if they randomly generated a character uh, to be killed as a quest, and there was some type of reward for that on a daily basis, I think that would go a long way to... Um, continuing that that uh, assassin gameplay I, re I really think it would um again i want to reiterate i know it's not an mmo and i know uh i'm not asking for daily quests in in elder scrolls 6 i'm saying that for an assassin to be having a quest that generates you know uh either on, on a regular basis to go kill a random NPC, I think would be a lot of fun. And I think it has to be more involved than it was in Skyrim at the end, where it was like, go talk to, you know, the jilted lover. And you go and you talk to him and he says, okay, go find this person at the docks in solitude. And you go there and you kill the person. Like, it should be more along the lines of, you know, you have to go and talk to the, the speaker. And then the speaker will send you to get a contact with this person. And then you come back and you talk to the speaker again. And then, you know, you take on the contract and you actually get the bonuses of like, okay, you have to do, you know, do it without being seen or do it with poison or, you know, like they, they show within oblivion where you get a bonus if you complete it in a certain way. Right. Yeah. The difficulty. And I realize that this is always going to be the problem is, is making it so that it remains interesting and never becomes just perfunctory. Well, um, the way you do that is have a large list of column A, column B, column C, yeah, but and even, mix and matches. Yeah, but even still, you're you're going to always see the same, um, the same locations are generally going to show up. This like a, a lot of you're going to see a lot of repeating over time, especially if you like us, you play the Elder Scrolls uh, just into the ground, as it were. Yeah. 
So, like, you know, I, I as I, I think they can do it. Um, but eventually, eventually, you there's there's just no. You're going to hit that point where there's just, um, you know, it, it always is going. Even if uh, they change the names, it's going to feel like I've done this before. I think so. there's something to be said about that too. Um. All right. What else? I'm watching you jump from rock to rock as you're, you know, shooting your bow. Oh, it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, interesting in a way that it's a complete failure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, fast question of the week, guys. Nice. <laughs> it, yeah, it's very nice. Ah, and he leaps uh, those rocks very well. Uh, fast question of the week. Here we go, folks. <clears throat> um, Mike and then Mark on this. Why do you choose to play as an assassin? Mike. So I like the uh, sneaky uh, type of gameplay where in the end you're given a mission, you go complete it, and you feel a sense of accomplishment. Mark? Uh, complete To be a completionist and just to see the puzzles. Uh, yeah, I, I like to change things up a little bit. Um, specifically speaking when... Um, Okay, so I like to change things up a little bit, and I'll, I'll, I'll get into it a little bit later. But, um, Mike, let's go back to you. Uh, any more details you want to add to that? So, like, I really like the way the Thieves' Guild plays out, but in Skyrim and Oblivion, there's very little ways to complete them without some type of combat associated with it. So if I'm going to have to engage in combat anyways and have that kind of play style, I might as well play an assassin. And whether it be a noble assassin where, you know, I'm taking on a, a job for a political reason uh, to further a cause or, you know, a psychotic reason uh, like some of them are, especially with the ones in ESO. Uh, you know, it gives me that chance to be sneaky, to use innovative ways to complete a mission. Uh, and since I have to engage in combat anyways, at least uh, I don't feel like I'm, you know, failed at the game because, you know, somebody died in it because that's the point of it. Right. Uh, Mark, what about you? Uh, well, myself, I generally join the Assassin's Guild uh, because I want to see the quest line. Um, and so, you know, you need to join the guild for that. And I, I just, I like approaching the missions they give you as puzzles. But if I'm doing sort of a, a role-playing quest line or a, a role-playing type character, I, I have to admit, I rarely actually join. Um, especially in Skyrim, where you Oblivion, you can at least accidentally join. Um, Skyrim, you have to go out of your way to kill someone for the reason of you just don't like them. Like, so, you know, as a result in Skyrim, at least, it's very rare that I'll, I'll be RPing a character and they decide to join the, um, the Dark Brotherhood because, well, for RP reasons... You, you have to specifically generally come up with why am I the type of person who's going to kill this woman because she's mean to kids because vile and mean to kids or not it's not the same thing as and now I'm going to kill them right right you're such a lawful good type of player basically yeah yeah um, that's that's the sad part I come you've got from... to embrace your inner tell quest and be chaotic neutral Chaotic yeah, crazy for the win. Yeah, we've seen how that turns out. <laughs> Burn the boat to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I come from the very same perspective. Uh, very, very lawful, very lawful good perspective, obviously. Um, so, it's not really my, my chosen type of gameplay, but... Uh, you know, after a while of doing that, you know, you you do get the sense that all right, it's you want to change things up because <clears throat> the crazy thing about Elder Scrolls is the game is totally different when you play oh, yeah. it one way versus the other. Um, that's what's crazy about putting your development time into making a world and not making a character. You let the players make the character. Uh, you as a developer, you make the world. Wow, did I really just mm -hmm. die from falling off a rock like that? <laughs> now I gotta did you out. just pull a Bagheera? I think I did, yeah. That's the problem when you get athletic skills too high. You can jump and keep falling and falling and falling. <laughs> right. Um so there it is. Anyway, um <laughs> <laughs> now I'm all disoriented. Um <clears throat> So basically, uh, I, I do it as like a break for, and it's a it's a fun welcome break too, like sneak thief, sneak assassin, uh, archer type uh, gameplay. It's it's definitely a lot of fun to uh, change it up. Mm -hmm. So I, I like it. All right, um, those of you out there uh, have have been inclined to send us messages in the form of electronic mail. So, for those of you who prefer that sort of thing and not the United States Postal Service, we have for you emails. Huh? Yeah, yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. We like is. getting emails. We like getting emails. Emails are fun. Ooh, um, where can they send us emails again? At Elder Scrolls Off the Record at gmail.com. That's where they can do it. Elder Scrolls Off the Record at gmail.com. Send us a. Send us an email, folks, and if you if you engage in the Twitter, if you like to tweet, if you find yourself saying, I had a thought, dare I share it among the internet and its followers, or maybe I should invoke the wrath of Sithis and tweet at a favorite podcast, maybe that favorite podcast is Elder Scrolls off the record. If you'd like to tweet at us, you can tweet us at Elder Scrolls OTR. I don't know. <laughs> Stupid. Anyway, uh, this comes from Dave MG, who says, uh, Hey, guys, I have uh, three questions, so this may be a long one. Uh, as we all know, E3 happened, and Bethesda announced a Skyrim remaster with mod support for consoles, and PC users get it for free. How do you guys feel about this? The way I see it, this is Bethesda's way of thanking the modding community for thousands of hours they put into making Skyrim amazing. I don't know about you guys, but mods like Frostfall, The Forgotten City, is what keeps me coming back to Skyrim. On that note, what is your guys' thoughts with mods coming to consoles? I'm happy for them, but I'm kind of worried that they'll be mod stealing like with Fallout 4. I hope since it will be four months till the remastered version comes out, that they'll be all taken care of. My third question is, do you think Bethesda will try and bring back paid mods? Could be just me being skeptical, but with Bethesda.net and the Skyrim remastered with built-in mod support, do you think it's possible down the line? Sorry if these emails long and hard to read. Love all the work you guys do and put into every podcast. Keep up the amazing work. Sincerely, Dave MG. So who wants to take this? 
So go ahead, Mike. uh, The first thing is, is the Skyrim remastered with mod support coming for consoles and PC. uh, The users, the PC users get it for free. Well, the first thing is, is you have to have either the Skyrim legendary or the Skyrim with all three DLCs uh, on your computer to get the free upgrade. Uh, So it's not free if you just have Skyrim uh, on your computer. You have to have one of those two versions. Yeah, be aware Uh, of that. Yep. Uh, I think it, you know, as we were talking with some of our other co-hosts for other shows, um, one of the things that uh, this is, is this is their way of capitalizing on something that they were already working on. Because when Skyrim came out, it was the end of the PS3 and Xbox One's life cycle. And so they had already started working on stuff for, or Xbox 360, sorry. So they had already started working on stuff for the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4. And they were using Skyrim, you know, as a means of testing that, you know, the engine, the graphics, everything else like that. Uh, But they put it out before those consoles came out. If you notice, Fallout is running off of that. And if you look at the back end of Fallout 4, there's things that are listed there that come right out of Skyrim. Um, So it's a way of them saying, okay, we've already done a lot of work to, you know, learn the mechanics of the Xbox One and PlayStation 4. And we use Skyrim as our tool to learn it. Uh, we've got all this work done. We might as well put it out there. And since the PS3 really struggles with uh, Skyrim and uh, you look at the amazing quality of stuff we get on the PCs, why not put it out there? You know, let people play it on their chosen uh, console of choice, whether it be the old style 360 or PS3 or the new remastered version that they're going to be getting uh, this fall on the new consoles um so you know i think you know it's it's like if you've got it why not put it out there yeah Yeah, exactly yeah exactly yeah i i'm i'm honestly really excited about it because you know i i adore skyrim um and i got hours and hours of it you know like i i can't see how many hours i got out of it on my xbox um and I've got it on my computer, but my computer can it can sort of handle it, uh, and but not very good resolutions. It's just it's too old. So, you know, I look at the, um, and of course this also means that it can only handle so many mods before it begins to collapse under its own weight. Um, I don't know. I got two hundred and fifty on mine. Yeah, that's you've got a better <laughs> computer than I do. <laughs> so you know, I see all these unbelievably gorgeous. Mo- you know, pictures and, and mods and whatnot. It's like I I can't use any of them. My computer can't handle that. Um, I can now suddenly not only get to see the game as beautiful as humanly possible, but I get to also have mods on that, and I don't need to worry about upgrading my computer or my computer you know you know bursting into flames trying to force it. I'm on. I'm all over that. Yeah. Yes, please. Yeah, so no, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to that. So, and especially because, frankly, as they said, they're putting off Elder Scrolls Six. Uh, I think they said that they want to complete projects on two new IPs, which I get why they want to not burn out bouncing back and forth between Fallout and Elder Scrolls. And I'd I'd rather they take the time and approach it fresh and excited than burn themselves out. But. Because it's going to take a while, I boosting Skyrim so that it's it's fresh and new and looks even better 
um, will not only encourage more mods, especially when it's it now has an even wider range for people. Sorry about that. A wider range for people to actually be able to mod it. So it's not just the PCs anymore. It's now on the consoles as well. That just ensures even greater longevity, and it's going to let us see more. It's going to encourage people who may be left to go do Fallout 4 mods to come back and, and do even more Skyrim mods with all the new stuff that they can do with it. Yeah. So uh-huh. that just wow. basically means that um, we have Elder Scrolls coming out of Elder Scrolls Online, and we're just going to see even more from Skyrim. So, if and frankly, if I know that we're not going to see another Elder Scrolls game for another quite a while... That just incur- you know that encourages people like the uh, sky you know Skywind people and the people that have made entire um, you know basically made elsewhere work and a bunch of other huge mods to come back and consider well is this now a good idea like yeah I, keep I going can, I can put the effort in and not have it like I'm just about done and the next and the next uh, games come out so no one's going to play my mod. Right, yeah, right. I mean, Sky Skywind and Skyblivion, you know, tweeted like crazy people the day that they announced this, that you know their stuff was still on par online and it was going to you know be coming out, and uh, so I think that we're going to see those remakes coming, you know, probably this year. Oh yeah, in the next you know 365 days. Jeez, maybe uh, not this calendar year, but right, right, right. Yeah, some, yeah. So could you imagine you know playing Morrowind on this new enhanced Skyrim engine? Oh my god. Oh. Oh I am. God. I'm hoping they can find a way to make it work with the consoles. I, I realize that they had said that Sky, um, they the intention was that um, Skywind would require you to have both Morrowind and Skyrim loaded on the same computer. Yep. Hopefully, they can make some sort like. Hopefully, they can do something with uh, Bethesda, and you know, come to some sort of agreement that they can make it work on the consoles. Because Morrowind has been out for a long time, and they don't—it doesn't remotely work on consoles at all anymore. So, Overwin, one thing I've noticed in your gameplay over the last couple of sessions here—you never pick up everything. Right. You only pick up select things. Yeah. And you know, one thing, especially for those people that are watching, and you know, the the crafting in uh, Oblivion is much different from Skyrim and from ESO. If you pick up all of the gear and use repair hammers on it, it increases your armor, and then you can just throw the gear back down on the ground or put it back on the body. That way you get the chance to uh, use repair hammers more often and increase your armor or skill line. That's a good idea. I've I've never thought of that, actually. Really cool tip. Uh, oh, the, the other thing that Dave mentioned was, do we think that um, paid mods are coming back? Uh, that was a real disaster. I don't know. Yeah. I I don't see them coming back. Um, it, it created a huge a huge problem in the community where all of a sudden now, within the weekend that it was happening, there was a lot of monkeying around going on with with these folks and their and the mods that they created. I mean, cr- mod creation is I'm not going to say it's cutthroat, but it's competitive, extremely competitive, and they don't get paid yeah. for it. It's the notoriety yeah. that makes them competitive. Yeah, and, and there's so many, and once 
someone's getting paid, it becomes copyright issues because right. who's using whose mods as a base and right. And then it became yeah. cutthroat. Um, all of a sudden, now you couldn't get mods uh, of previously available in all of the outlets that they are normally available, and then they only became available on their websites. And it, it was just it was a real real mess. And um, I don't think they. Obviously, uh, I, I know they didn't intend for that, but I don't think they thought it would be that bad either. So, no, I, I don't and, think um, I don't think for for Bethesda, I don't think they're going to be touching this subject for a very long time. I think they'll revisit it. But what I could see them doing is kind of like what they're doing with the Fallout, where you have the subscription there, whatever they call it, the season pass. That you know, as long as you have an active season pass or an active subscription you can download mods for the the two consoles. I could see something like that. But uh, no, the, I, I, but the 99 ahead. cent mod or the $10 mod or the $100 mod, you know, I can't see stuff like that coming to it. Like we saw that weekend on, what was it, Steam? Yeah. Where it was crazy, you know. Yeah, and I, I don't see them... I, I don't see them trying to introduce something like if you're on a console, you need to pay for the right to mod the game. I, I don't I don't see that I, I see that flying even worse than paying for individual mods, especially because that wouldn't then affect the PC because it, it couldn't. You would have you know yeah. that would be cracked so quick it's not funny. Right. But and, you'd still be able to get stuff off of Steam and uh, the Nexus. But for yes. these other outlets, you know, it has to go through Sony. It has to go through Xbox. They have to hold you know server capacity. So I could see them putting like a $5 a month or something type of, you know, you want unlimited downloads of mods. Yeah. You, you know what? In which case, I would say they should have started that with Fallout then. Yeah. Because they did not. And as a result, you're, you're no, <laughs> basically, you now have, you've already created a player base that expects the mods on the consoles to be free. Right. If Listen, you didn't start it off with the pay uh, with paying. It's not happening. Modding, modding like podcasting, is a hobby. Mm-hmm. All right, it is it a hobby. A lot of talent to make a good mod. It sure does. But there, I'm sure you can. If if um, if a modder goes out there and makes it available, okay, you can donate to these to these modders to show your appreciation. However having a um, a situation in place where you have to pay for mods and there's no gate as to the professionalism, the quality, the content of this mod. How do I know that when I download a mod, I'm not going to get some guy who creates an, an elder an in game elder scrolls pop-up that says, you know, um, you can have more fun if you unlock, unlock the enhanced edition of this mod. <laughs> and, and, and like the stupid thing pops up like every every you know two minutes and basically shuts down my enjoyment of the gameplay. And, and now I'm having an image of Dennis Nedry from Jurassic Park showing up and wagging his as the courier and wagging his <laughs> finger. Uh, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, y you don't know what I mean. Uh, y yeah. It's a little bit different when you buy a piece of software from Bethesda because they're they're a corporation. They're legit. But when you, you you purchase a mod created from, you know, Joe Schmo who could, you know, down the road, uh, there is none of that in place. There's no um, uh, documents that need to get filed for, for incorporating yourself. Um, there's no barrier to entry. There's no education. There's no 
no formal education at all that says, look, I have put a lot of myself and my finances into learning how to do this the right way. You can trust me because I don't want to tar my reputation by creating a mod. A modder could come out with a mod that's, you know, a cape. And it could tell you all this wonderful stuff, and it turns out to be just a simple cape on your character and charge you, you know, $20 for it, and then shut their account down and open up a new one the next day and do another thing. You know, uh, have a slap shop in Elder Scrolls. It's a lot of fun, guys. And then you freaking download a virus. You know, I mean, you got to have, before modding, you can get paid for modding, you got to have some sort of barrier or entry yeah. here for, for people to get in. And I think that is the issue. Uh, oh, and the other thing he brought up was um, mob theft. Uh, you, you know what? Like, I, I can see where um, someone's claiming that they are that they own someone else's mod would be a problem. But to be fair, that's sort of something that currently goes on between Steam and Nexus anyway. Um, adding it into the the consoles, I can see it happening. But I don't think it's going to be as big of an issue because, you know, it, it wouldn't be too difficult to prove this. You know, I did not give permission for this mod to be put on. I want to take it off. And honestly, I'm I'm expecting that maybe some of these mods require will require some overhauling before they will work on the consoles. Yeah, what's interesting I mean, if you look at uh, the Nexus and Steam and their top downloaders. The, in the top five are Skyrim, Oblivion, and Morrowind. So I can understand why Bethesda is looking at this going, yeah, we got to get in on this uh, because, you know, our customers are going to these other sites to, you know, get mods and, you know, mod support for our games. So I'm sure that, like, there's advertising revenue and stuff that, you know, they're hoping to gain from it. Sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Let's uh, Let's keep modding clean, folks. Yep. All right, guys, uh, final thoughts. So the end of one hour, the poll, we have had 112 votes, and the Dark Brotherhood is up to 54%. Thieves Guild, 27 Mages College, 14 and Companions, 5%. Wow. So um, definitely seems like... I mean, that's that's a that's a landslide, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, landslide. pretty much. There it is. Um, Mark, final thoughts. Um, well, fun episode again. Uh, this, it, it's it's always interesting to uh, to like to go over over the Dark Brotherhood and how everything works. And frankly, it, it was it was interesting to sit down and sort of look at. Okay, we've been talking about for the last month or two month or so about the dark brotherhood and how it worked in the past let's let's let me see how it works now and i'm also expecting a ton of messages about how i'm wrong about kirk bride but we'll see how that turns on turns yeah on. i'm sure some of our uh, some of our fans and uh some of our guildies in eso will be uh uh make sure making sure to send you a little message there oh god help us if we ever god help me if we ever try to do it uh an, an episode on tower lore uh. Maybe, maybe. Okay, we so next week we'll have Tower <laughs> Tower Lore. Um, you know what? Speaking of I next week, I will murder Mike, you. Um, 
Speaking of next episode, Mike, uh, we're, we're going to be in uh, Elder Scrolls Online for the next episode, right? Yes, next episode is Elder Scrolls Online. Uh, we will be looking at the Dark Brotherhood. Maybe we'll be taking uh, some of the, uh, um, the the sacrament quests or just running around completing some of the contracts where we have to go and kill people in the different cities. Right. I don't know what we're going to be doing yet, but we're going to be uh, in, in Elder Scrolls Online. So make up a character, bring your character. Uh, I'm sure that the daggers will be there to help us out. Uh, and uh, we'll unleash Mark's inner monster. There it is. <laughs> Mark's inner monster. Well, all right, folks. Wait, we're going to Oridon? Oh, boy. We're never. We're not, We're going to be here a while, guys. <laughs> next um, Next episode of Elder Scrolls Off the Record is going to be quite, uh, quite the uh, episode indeed. We've got E3 to go over. Uh, plus a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, we wanted to talk about um, Elder Scrolls Legends and how it stands so far with what Bethesda is saying on their website about it. Uh, so we've got a lot of great stuff to talk about next episode. That's going to record Wednesday of, uh, of next week at 9 p.m. Eastern right here on our YouTube channel. Um, also, we'd like to invite you to check out uh, our, our weekly stream on YouTube, Dancing with Daggers. Uh, that hits Friday night at uh, 10.30 p.m. Eastern, every single Friday. Um, if, you're, uh, if, you love, if you love this show, maybe you'll, you'll check out some of our other shows, guys. Um, we do a lot of great stuff here at the network. Um, number one. First and foremost, uh, check out questgamingnetwork.com, please. Um, head over there. You can get all of our content, whether it's a video, uh, podcast, or uh, hey, you, there's some games there that you can play. You can reach out uh, to us via our um, emails. Uh, how to reach out to us is all there, too. Uh, questgamingnetwork.com is sort of your hub to interacting with us and, and making sure you're up to date on what's going on here. Uh, we've got a lot of great stuff that pops up there. Um, sure, every week, but now pretty much every day. Um, we've got uh, Fallout off the record with Rick and Shaleen, as well as uh, Warcraft off the record with uh, Derek and Poke. A uh, new episode of Dragon Age off the record is incoming. Uh, let's uh, Let's Be Heroes, the uh, Monday through Friday uh, Let's Play with Dave, uh, David D. Enforce Adams, and myself. Uh, that'll let's be there. Be goats. <laughs> Oh, simulator <laughs> is a part of that. Uh, KD Radio with Rick and Shaleen, our um, our brand new retro and general gaming podcast, uh, is uh, is posting there as well. And let us not forget QG D&D, Quest Gaming Network's Dungeons and Dragons romp through the lo the world of Primeval Thule, headed by the the dungeon master Mark the Sonarist. And uh, that's a that's a show that we do every other week. When we're not doing that show, Mark is posting his feelings on YouTube um, about how he's doing that day. No, it's a <laughs> his, all, uh, all the feels, all the feels, all the feels. Uh, go there, go there for the hugs. Stay for Mark. He needs support after the craziness that I bring to the the show. Yeah. To say the least, I'm not, I'm not leaving it there. No, it's uh the the um, dungeon masters uh, the dungeon masters guide. Um, basically, uh, Mark uh, gives you like a like a description, a little bit of of what happened in that last episode, and and um, his feelings on it, and it's it's always really informative. Um, Mark, the last episode you did uh, was about uh, episode two of QG D&D, &D, right? Yeah, yeah, we did uh, the second episode. It was uh, 
the the second episode okay the first episode uh episode that we released was called uh that escalated quickly with good cause uh the second episode that we released was called snakes why did it have to be snakes next week we're release uh, on wednesday we are releasing the third episode which is called bad at making plans good at eliminating witnesses <laughs> To say that a spe- to say that this game is already off the rails is uh... <laughs> quite the understatement. Yeah. Uh, well, not only can you get all of our stuff on uh, QuestGamingNetwork.com, but you can also check us out on iTunes and the Stitcher Radio app, as well as right here on YouTube, YouTube.com/QuestGamingNetwork/live. It's where we uh, record all of our. Um, all of our uh, live live productions. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Elder Scrolls OTR and at Quest Gaming. If we're uh, doing a live show, you're going to find out there. Uh, you can follow me at Evarwin. That's E V A R W I N. Mark is at Carnegie Wolf. C A R N A G A N W O L F E. And uh, tell him a little bit about that Tower Lore, guys. Don't let him get away with that bright crap. And <laughs> Mike. <son> a- <laughs> <laughs> and Mike. Follow him at KDR Mickey. That's K D R M I C K E Y M O U S E. I swear wrong. to God, ever since we, we started saying his 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 Twitter handle, I have been hearing that in my head every time you start to read. <laughs> read K D R Mickey. K D R M I C K E Y. Leave off the M-O-U-S-E. Yeah, I don't need Disney coming after me. Yeah. <laughs> KDR Mickey, Donald Duck, KDR Mickey, Donald Duck. <laughs> 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 anyway, um, that uh, that's, that's Mike. Yep. That's Mark. Yo. I'm Avarwin. And you're awesome. This has been Classic Elder Scrolls. Take care, everyone. Be safe. And as always, may the first be with you. Oh, no!